The Dane and Derek Show is an uncensored, unfiltered podcast. Content warnings can be found in the episode description. Welcome back to Dane and Derek. My name is Derek, one of your two co-hosts on this shoot the shit kind of vibe. You probably know by now that I make movies and play a lot of tabletop games. And joining me, as the title would suggest, is my good friend, Dane. Hey, uh, I'm Dane. I write, I make music, I podcast, love tabletop RPGs. Um, And here we are, uh, because I also love video games and tabletop games i honestly i'm going to talk about i have i have three games set aside for this for this episode um i don't know if you i I know we're supposed to do like loose banter but i am here i am ready yeah you're Um, ready go ahead take it away take the reins of this goddamn carriage all right so um because uh the timing of this and if anybody who knows me would probably guess what video game i'm playing right now we we will we're gonna come back to it we're going to come back to that at the end so that we don't just talk about it. And I'm not going to say its name until then. Um, hmm. uh, so we're saving it for the end. Um, uh. So we're going to start with like a board game. I just got to the chance to play for the first time, uh, which is Scythe. Have you ever played Scythe? Nope. Never heard of it. Okay. Scythe is fucking kick-ass. It's like Catan, but with mechs. Um, oh, cool. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's set in like a kind of like alternate version of like post 1920 ish Europe. Uh, mm-hmm. but like pre 1930, uh, essentially. So, um, the mechs are like super, they're very diesel punky, very mm-hmm. industrial. Um, and like there's a different version of like Germany, Poland, Russia, basically a nordic country england and japan and like basically you you gather resources and um build buildings and mechs and uh you essentially try and just be like the biggest power by the end of the game and like you can attack other players with said mechs and stuff and uh it's it's a very um complex looking game like the box is really big and there's a million little pieces but actually when you get started playing and like once you fully grasp the win state, um, it's stupid simple. Like turns will go by in like ten seconds sometimes, um, like super fast. It's definitely one of those games that looks scary, um, and so it's it's super interesting though. And I really really enjoyed playing it, um, and it also kind of like changed my thinking. So last week I. N- probably last week when you're hearing this, um, you and I talked about how I'm getting the feeling that like long running tabletop RPG games are just not so likely in my law school future. Right. Um, and at the same time, I love games. I love the systems and all of that. And, uh, I don't want it to be fully like just, I just do video games. Um, so 
in playing Scythe, I kind of had this feeling of like, oh man, this like, it, I came away feeling like, oh man, like I had like a, it, almost it felt like a good game of like session of D and D in terms of like how engaged with it I felt and like how social I felt as I was doing it, which kind of happens with me with like Magic the Gathering too. Um, mm. Especially when I go play in like a shop or something. Yeah. Uh, but the thing is, there's no like weekly, bi-weekly obligation to it. There's no like prep that a GM has to do. They just, at like, at worst, someone has to teach the game, right? But if everybody knows the game, you sit down and you just play. And I was like, oh, maybe this is the thing I do a little bit more of um, when I can, you know? Wow. You're becoming a board game daddy. I, I mean, I might have to be like, like hey, I, I, that's I, not a bad thing. Oh no, it's not. It's, it's just great. I'm just sad because I have like in thinking about it, I'm like, I can't remember the lot. Like the last time I had like a big gap in like D and D um, was like freshman year of college. And that was like mm. six months, six, seven months of like no games. Really? Uh, especially- only, only six, seven months? Yeah. Cause I'm, uh, it's also wow. weird. Cause like, I also played some games on like holiday breaks. Like I came back and played with like Sam and Will just like did some yeah. offs and stuff. But, mm-hmm. and then sophomore year, I found like a group um, to play with mm-hmm. Um, and since then I have like had no gaps and it's been, um, you know, podcast RPG stuff, like all of it. And then all through like from sophomore year through senior year of high school, you and I played really seriously. And then, but before that through middle school, I basically didn't play. Um, Mm. I basically didn't play my sixth seventh eighth grade years and freshman year of high school for that matter um and then because like before that when i was like eight nine ten eleven ish i played with um with my dad's friend who actually taught me how to play so so anyways i just i hadn't thought about it but i was like oh i might go through like a long gap of this that i haven't done in a long time and like that's sad it is sad. Like, I'm like, oh, that's, that sucks. Like, that really sucks. Um, mm-hmm. But same hand, like, I know it might need to be done. And also, there are other, like, cool things to do. And, like, does it have to be this one thing that, even though I love it dearly, does it have to be this one specific style of 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 gaming and being social and stuff so but so scythe kind of gave me like this hope for like oh there's a lot more i could do you know yeah no that's a lot that that sounds great i mean like i'm just imagining you now with like a closet full of board games uh yeah i mean we kind of already have like a fair number um because gracie really likes board games um Really? We yeah, she does. Oh, uh, cool. Yeah, she's got like kind of a competitive streak. She likes to win. Oh, um, she is very competitive. Yes. Yes. She we'll is have to very play board games next time I visit. Absolutely. Yeah, and and some of them are like really like sort of I would describe them as like gentle board games that are mm-hmm. while competitive are not like 
they're not like war games. Like Scythe is very much like kind of a war game. Um, mm-hmm. There's like an aggressive side to it. Um, yeah. But yeah, super, super interesting. Um, so that's that's my first game. What do you got? Um, so let's see. Um, I was been playing a lot of Tyranny from from the game company Obsidian. It's like a classic mm. CRPG, Baldur's Gate yeah. adjacent kind of game. Yep. Makers of Pillars of Eternity. I put like 50 hours into that game. Damn. And then I got to a part where I was like, Ugh, I'm locked out of a decision. And I haven't picked Ooh. it back up since. Um, Damn. And I, and I realized that even though I, I love games where I get to have that kind of Dragon Age Origins-esque decision-making skill tree... I, I also just kind of, sometimes I'm, sometimes I want to be able to just experience a game with like no decisions whatsoever. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I'm contemplating starting over in Tyranny because (laughs) on reading on the Wikia, there's a way to, there's, they have like, the game portrays itself as having like two paths with a maybe secret third, but there's actually a secret fourth. And so I'm contemplating doing the secret fourth path because apparently it's the only path in the game that allows you to explore the entirety of the actual game. Whoa. Um, All the other paths kind of lock you into different areas, whereas this one lets you go to everything. Damn. So, yeah. So I kind of want to do that because I love the world they've built and I want to explore, but I don't know if I want to replay it four times, four different ways. Mm -hmm. Um. So I'm contemplating that right now. And a big part of all, and like the other thing is like when I stopped playing that, I immediately picked up Dragon Age 2 and replayed it Mm. in 30 hours. And that's a game where it does a similar thing. It starts to lock you out of choices the more decisions you make. Totally does. And I think it's really smart. But I also realized that like, by like act three, there aren't that many side quests to do. No, act Um, three of of Dragon Age 2 is like, and we are fucking in it. Like, yeah, it's like, you're basically there. And it's like, I had forgotten how sudden the end of that game is. Yeah. I, I will say that the third act of that game does have feels like there was some suffering of the development cycle in there. Like, yeah. Um, but still my favorite of the three. I would have to agree. Uh, yeah. so yeah, I, I did that, and I think what I'm most accomplished of in that game was that I I basically like did the whole like mage hero route as a mage. I was mm. friends with everyone, including Fenris, and I managed to romance Isabella. Oh, good job! I did. Good work. I played. I figured mm. out the right combination of angry funny and diplomatic hawk to do so yeah yeah romancing isabella is actually kind of hard um, it's a nightmare yeah which is something i actually really liked about that is it like like so often i feel like romances especially in like video games feel very much like choose your thing and like the other the, the non-player character doesn't feel like they have much agency mm-hmm. um but the amount of time that isabella can just fucking reject you or stab you in the back or like just kind of fuck up your day. I'm like, yeah. 
it just makes the like relationship feel much more dynamic. Like there's like more going on there. It, it, you yes. know, like that there's, it's, it's, it's not an achievement to be unlocked. It's like, it's like you're actually invested for more than just, it's very strange. It's like you're, you're invested for more than just like, you know, romancing a character in a video game. Um, you're yeah. invested because you, your character and this character get along. Um, which I thought was really interesting. And like, yeah, yeah. Sometimes, sometimes Dragon Age two, like Dragon Age two is so weird because like it does so much right. And sometimes I just like, it just shows its scars of development. Like it's so clearly to me feels like they wanted you to be a mage and they wanted you to romance Isabella and they wanted you to be a guy. Like, like just, yes, they just wanted you to be, that like you know um and so like for me sometimes i'm just like this feels odd like it's like it sort of feels like almost they just wanted to you to they wanted to basically do like the witcher sometimes is what it feels like um in the sense of like you you can't not be Geralt in the witcher you, you know like your Geralt might be different um, than my Geralt, but like you can't not be Geralt, um, you know. And so I just think yeah. I just think that was like super interesting. Um, and so like I think a lot of things that shine about Dragon Age Two really come from that like fact that they made some distinct choices that you Correct. as a player don't get to make. Whereas Correct. in like Inquisition, I felt like. They just wanted you to be anybody. And so yeah. in that way, like certain things could not be as like tailored to it. Like sometimes I call Dragon Age 2 to Gracie, like Hawks, very bad five to seven years. Um, uh, yeah, no, it is. Yeah. You know, like, because it's just, <laughs> it's just him slowly losing his family over yeah. time. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and like, you can't do that if the character is a complete blank slate right correct in the yeah. same way that like isabella can be this very dynamic relationship the relationships in like the witcher can feel much more like complicated due to the fact that because they're like we know there are some certain immutable things about Geralt. that means that we can guarantee that yennefer and triss can like super play off those things right um mm -hmm it makes all the relationships in that those games feel much more dynamic. And that's like something I actually think really works in Dragon Age 2 that I wish was in more games is like, I think a lot of games either do like, y you have a basically immutable character and there's some light choices you can make a la Witcher 3, or yeah. you're, you're in like fucking Dragon Age Inquisition Skyrim land where it's like, you're everybody and nobody. <sighs> um, yeah. Whereas I actually think Dragon Age 2 kind of hit a nice medium there. Yes. You um, have some options, but not all options. Right. You don't get to pick whether or not Hawk has a, has like a family around or what that basic dynamic is like. Um, like you can change it, but like basically with Carver, you start out being like, fuck you. And Carver's like, fuck you, you know? Um, <laughs> Uh, and I think that's super interesting, right? Because if you move it over time into a very positive relationship, like 
that's kind of awesome, right? Like you got to choose to repair your relationship with your brother. Like that's a cool thing in a game. Anyways. Yeah, no, exactly. Exactly that. Sometimes this Um, podcast just becomes you and me love Dragon Age 2. We, yeah, yeah, we do need to do a Dragon Age 2 special. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, on, <laughs> honestly, we should, we should do, like, we talk about, like, an element of each, an, an, an element of Dragon Age 2 in several episodes, and then we should do a, and maybe we do a special video episode where we play Dragon Age 2. Ooh, um, that'd be fun. That'd be yeah. fun. I'd love to do that. Stream it or something. Uh, Yeah, let's 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 keep an eye on that. Yeah, keep an Um, eye on that one. Yeah, but yeah, that's that's where a lot of my gaming time has gone. But honestly, like I haven't I haven't picked up a game in in like a few weeks. I just haven't been feeling it. Mm. Um, In terms of video games, uh, tabletop games, that's another story. But I will let you go next because we've been talking about Dragon's Two for a bit. Yes, always a dangerous trap for us. Um, so <laughs> in the tabletop RPG realm, so uh, I backed a game called Stonetop, uh, which is a hack of Dungeon World. Um, and it's not quite out yet, so I just have like, I basically have like the beta of it. And regardless of when this happens... The next campaign I run where I'm like sitting down with people and like, I really want to get into the game. Like, like there are games I play where I'm like, yeah, we're, we're here. We're having a good time. Like I'll, I'm like here with the story. We're doing this thing together. Like I care. And then there are those games where you're like, no, we're doing this. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Um, this is the next one that I want to do where I'm just, we're just in it. And I haven't felt that about a new system in a long time. Um, and yeah. And I think the thing I like about it is the thing that they've hacked in is mechanics for making the village. Everyone is from, uh, a living, breathing thing with its own like character sheet and whatnot. Um, Mm. it's the first time I've seen a setting and been like, no, I want to use this setting. Um, Oh, wow. Yeah, because the game is very much about the setting. Um, Mm. Like, there are, it's, again, and this is part of the reason I'd be like, it need to be with, like, the right group, because I'd have to be like, nope, this is what's happening. Like, the game is like, everyone plays humans. There are fantasy, like, there are wood folk and fae out there, but, like, Mm -hmm. you don't get to play them. And it's like, we regardless of whether or not like you always were from here, you are in this village and you fucking care about it. Like, and the village is always on the edge of the world. It's always like always, 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 always. Um, and so like, and they, if you don't do it, the game starts falling apart on you and you should just play dungeon world. Um, yeah, it's like the thing. And so like the thing I really, really like about it, on paper is just how how it like mechanizes like caring about this place and how to keep track of these things and um getting players invested um you know like the the setting has has a character sheet and like that's super cool and it has like a little map on it for everybody and um 
it has special moves just for when you're in the setting versus when you're out. Um, mm. And I do think it's like the moves have been expanded a bit such that they actually improve on the dungeon world moves. Like the, um, like the combat has been streamlined in a really good way to like um, include like how to, how do you do it when there's one enemy and the whole party is fighting the one enemy. And you know, when there's like a group of little enemies on one player and, and stuff. And, um, you know, and also like, there's just like some really good stuff, like, um, about how to like keep the, keep like the home front sort of side of it working. Like there's a move called make a plan when you wish to accomplish some project, but aren't sure how to go about it. Tell the GM what you hope to achieve. They'll say what's required. If you aren't sure how to accomplish one of the requirements, ask the GM and they'll tell you what's required for that. Um, which is like such a great thing to like keep the game moving, you know? And like, they have like a, they have this like really great side to it where it's like, if you want to, like, it's a whole page. It's like, if you want to increase fortunes, which is a stat for your, your setting, you're like, the main ways are undertake an adventure on behalf of the village and return triumphant, seize a trade opportunity for something that benefits the village as a whole. Um, achieve a setting improvement that increases fortunes. Like it's very much um, player driven as the other thing I love is like basically you hand them the game and it has like a problem built in, which is your village is kind of poor. It's on the edge of nowhere with like threats around it. And it's, it just, it needs to be better. Um, Mm. And so like you have like a group goal from the start where it's like we go out, and we are like the defenders of the village and like the people who do like things for it. Um, and the goal is constantly centered around these things. Like it's just, the game is a campaign in and of itself. Um, yeah. And I kind of love that. Yeah, no, that sounds great. You should send me a link. I kind of want to read this now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> totally. And I just, I like, you know, like, and the thing is about it, I'm like, I think I would play this once, like just one time because mm. I, I don't see like heavy replay value on it because of the, it's, it's inflexibility with its setting. Um, right. Like there are some like forged in the dark games, which I really like the mechanics of, um, despite mm. their character sheets on the whole sucking. Um, mm which we've talked about before, but um, yeah. those games tend to have like pretty heavy settings built into them, but those games, you can just kind of rip the setting out and everything's fine. Um, so long as you like put like the placeholders back in like blades in the dark, like if you don't have any other factions, the game doesn't really work. Um, mm-hmm. So, so long as you like fix that, like it doesn't have to be their official groups. Right. Um, yeah. This game, this game, I, I, I'm very impressed by due to the fact that, like, I don't know how you would take this setting out and somehow mm-hmm. keep the game as it is working. Like, there are yeah. things, like, I'd be like, I'd like to put my spin on it here or there, but, like, not really change it, um, which yeah. is really unusual. And so I'm like, this is, that's really cool. There, I think the only other game I've seen in recent years that does that is a game called band of blades, which is also forged in the dark. Um, and that one's very much a dark military fantasy Mm -hmm. wherein like 
you're with an army and you do stuff and like basically um you have like every player is responsible not only for their own character but for like minor characters who can die really easily um and so again the setting would be really hard to pull out though my one complaint with that game is it's like it's it's as complicated as some of like the truly truly complicated board games out there like it just is like mechanics wise i'm like holy shit um (laughs) like it'd be cool and there are some parts of it that like i get would kind of like reinforce the fantasy of like yeah there's the side of the war that's all about logistics and like for people who want to do that that's awesome but i was like i don't i don't think i know a group who would want to play that i'm not sure i want to play that so this is like the first one i've come across where i'm like the setting is awesome the mechanics and the setting are completely intertwined to reinforce each other and the mechanics are solid and like not overwhelming. Um, nice. Super cool. Super cool. Very nice. I, on the TTRPG front, uh, I mean, I've, I, let's see, I played family of blades for the first time. Ooh. Yeah. I played in a game. Uh, we had, uh, good friend named monica gm which was fun playing in a game that i don't don't gm (laughs) yeah yeah uh it was fun because i I played against type i didn't play like a tough character i played like a hacker teen um (laughs) who was like super smart and like all about getting plans and using computers and stuff and it was i haven't played a character like that in a long time so that was a lot of fun um and outside of that it's mostly been Dungeons and Dragons, which I just had my session zero with a new group. Nice. Um, that wants to do some crunchy munchy dungeon crawls, which that I'm kind of always... looking forward to because I think yep. it'll work really well in Dungeons and Dragons. Um, and uh, I mean, it's a great, it's a very, it's a goof party. And then we have a game of Dungeon World. Yep. That is my the first time I'm GMing in Dungeon World. Um, and we also have a goof party <laughs> and then I have two quest games. One of which is the podcast, which is going really well. Um, the other of which is a, basically a bunch of people that want to just storytell and basically be in role play the whole time. Yeah. And that's been really fun. Um, I've learned that I really like playing every other week. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and I in Quest, they're they're getting ready to launch their Kickstarter for a space edition, which is really fun. Of Quest? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And what's exciting is I want to there's a bunch of quest hacks that are like mecha hack that exist now. Oh, that's... And I'm like yeah, I'm super excited to combine the two. Like, that's rad. So I'm like really ready for it and um I don't know. I've learned a lot about how I GM. I think for the first time in a really long time, I kind of have figured out my strengths and weaknesses as a game master Mm -hmm. and the kinds of games I kind of like offer to people. Um, And I think, and that's been really interesting because when I was like looking at the podcast, I realized that the way that I constructed the podcast was really against the way that I GM, but inadvertently it helped make me, more comfortable GMing 
That's because awesome. I was forced to GM differently. Yeah. And so now I'm like trying to think of like, oh, how can I align how I, the kinds of things I GM well with the podcast in that medium a bit more. And so we're getting ready to do like a mini game in the middle of our main story. Oh, cool. To kind of just like take a break from the main story. Cause I think like we, we need a little bit of time to kind of like let things digest. And so I think we're going to do like a mini, like one shot multi-part thing. Mm-hmm. And so I'm preparing that. And that's been a lot of fun to prepare something in the same universe using a game that I'm now much more familiar with, with mm-hmm. people who are now much more familiar with that. And we're trying to make it contrastedly different than the game we're playing. So yeah, that's where I've been TTRPG world. Um, yeah. Uh, before we get to your last game, <laughs> yep. um, which I'm assuming it's the last game. Um, y- yep. I have been playing a lot more magic, the gathering. Nice. Love it. And yeah, I've been doing some drafts with some friends and I've been getting better at learning how the game actually works, which has been really rewarding despite my continual losing record. <laughs> um, I, I'm like, like I built, like I understand how ninjutsu works now for neon dynasty and I really like the samurai cards. I built a seven samurai themed deck the other day. Huh. That's... And it was like, th- it was a five color seven samurai deck. And it was a night, it was not a nightmare to play. It just didn't, it just was a very slow deck. It took too long to pop off and really yeah. do anything cool. Um, but there was a foundation there that I think I'm going to port over to a standard deck mm-hmm. um, because I really like standard as a format versus like, I play a lot of commander with my friends, but I do really love standard. Um, I think it's cause like I have such nostalgia for those sushi nights we used to have and playing standard. Cause it was the only format I think I knew how to play back then and stuff. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah. So maybe next time uh, we meet, I will have a physical standard deck I can pull out and we can duel. Um, oh, I'd love to. Because it's it's been a while. Uh, it has been. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But I think it's time for the reveal of the final game that you've been playing. Yeah, it's it's I I, I don't know how to, I'm not going to like build it up. Um, it's it's Elden Ring. It's Elden Ring. <laughs> um, I am a yeah. huge fan of From Software games. Uh, I the only one I haven't beaten is um, Sekiro. And that's just honestly because they it, it's a little far off from the um soulsborne formula for me which is to say like i couldn't make a different build uh if i got stuck on something there is only the shinobi way to play it which is the point like that's totally cool um it just didn't it didn't land for me um but demon souls i love dark souls one through three bloodborne all of it. Love it, love it, love it. Um, and so Elden Ring, which is Dark Souls 3 and Bloodborne meets uh, Breath of the Wild has yeah. been incredible. Like, genuinely, I'm like, this is fucking good. Um, and it even builds on Breath of the Wild in a really cool way, which is like, if you think about it, Breath of the Wild, um, after a certain point, basically, like you, you, when you go on and like you see something off in the distance, 
kind of what you you end up finding is like you will find another disposable weapon you will find a a shrine for an orb for hearts or stamina you might find a a kokoroka seed maybe you might find a spot for a photo um memory sort of situation and that's kind of about it at the end of the big dungeons there's you know uh the you know there's the 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 spirit abilities from all the previous um uh guardians right mm-hmm. um and uh elden ring kind of expands on that like there's a limit to what you'll find but it has it's much bigger and it also may not apply to you is the other thing right like mm-hmm. um link is all is the thing right like link is like yeah. swords archer archer like climbing stuff right um whereas like for me i'm playing like an intelligence dex build and so anything that's like faith or strength i'm just like this is trash um <laughs> you know so like i might go through a whole dungeon and fight enemies i've never seen before and may never see again and a boss i don't i like that is like in other games i'm like i think this would be like a big boss and this is just sort of a mini boss here in this side dungeon that's not even like a full dungeon cool um and it's just kick ass and then i get like something at the end and i'm like well that doesn't help me at all but that was fun you know like and like that's been like the really great bit about it is like um it's been just fun to just find shit and Breath of the Wild, I I still, I think on the whole, has one major advantage over this game that I just don't see being taken from it anytime soon, which is, it's approachable in a way that Elden Ring isn't. Like, Elden Ring is way more approachable than any From Software Souls game I've ever played. Um, Hmm. Yeah, it just gives you a lot of options. And also... uh, in most Soulsborne games, they seem very open world. Like if you're, they're like, like there's always that thing of like, if you see something off in the distance, you're going to go there probably on like, like 95% of the time. And that's true, but your path to getting there is typically pretty linear in yeah, like Dark yeah. Souls. Like, so like if you hit something, you have to deal with it or you're done playing. Yeah. No, no, no. Exactly. Because there's no, there's nowhere else to go. Like, um, yeah. sometimes no, yeah. you'll be in a situation where you have like two branching paths you could go on. Oh, but yeah. You have, <laughs> and that's like the thing that's different about Elden Ring is like you go down the main like storyline path and like you can get there in about 10 minutes if you're really fast and pretty versed in the game. Like once you're out in the world, like you could get to the first major boss super quick. Mm. Um, but uh, unless you're one of like the freak players, you're going to get smacked. You're going to get slut stomped on, like you're going to get fucked up. Um, Mm -hmm. and like the whole game to me just feels like a go until the, like you hit your current skill threshold and then go somewhere else, you know? And, and so there's like, there's always something else to do. Um, and, and it's, it's very, and it's very cool. So for like a, like a more beginner player, um, 
I, th- I think it's a better fit because you have options, right? Like if the dragon down in the lake in the very first zone is just killing you all the time, go somewhere else. There's plenty to do. You're not going to like, you, you will be able to find something you can, you can probably handle assuming you have, you know, enough patience and all that. Um, That's good to know. Cause like I just started playing dark souls one. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, let's just say I run away from everything and it's, very difficult to get back the same way you came because it locks you out of going back certain fluent ways. Yeah. Um, but, and also like <laughs> if you are struggling with an area, you can't go anywhere else, especially yeah. in the dark. So like, like, yeah, like maybe you're really struggling, struggling with like the undead berg, for example. Um, mm-hmm. So what are your other options? I guess you could go down to the ghost town below Firelink shrine, or I guess you could go to the fucking catacombs, I guess. But both of those are way worse. Like they're so much worse than than the undead berg. Like, mm-hmm. like what are you actually supposed to to do? Um, and so like, yeah, it's it's yeah, it's a struggle. It's genuinely a, a real struggle there. Um, and so like, I think I think that's been like a huge improvement. Uh, on top of it, like there's just a there's a bunch of just quality of life improvements uh the crafting system i'm actually kind of about for one reason and one reason only which is arrows are now free um which literally being an archer in any of those games is always a suck on some level because you have to buy arrows um which means you are your souls are getting sucked away in a second in a second area other than just leveling and everything else you need them for um and so it's just like it's hard to kind of do an archer build um i've only pulled it off once and it was awesome when i did um but like in this game i was like i was like i'll admit i had to i had to restart twice because i was like i don't think this is the right starting build and i'm like a little too far in um to like with like the the stats to just like want to correct it to correct it and like the respect point is so far down the line that i just i don't want to um and so like the third time I, i'm really happy with the with the build um but i was like sitting there i was like next time i'm gonna do an archer build that's gonna be fun like genuinely i was like that's gonna be really fun because I don't like all I have to do is like hunt a couple animals and then suddenly I have arrows again. Like it's not, <laughs> it's not a, great. Yeah. It's so, it's so cool. And so like the fact that I'm already low key thinking about like a second run at the whole damn thing. It's awesome. So yeah, it's, it's, um, it's so cool. And I've really been enjoying my time with it. Um, I, I, I think some of the marketing got away from itself um because there's like a subset of people who bought the game from base basically just off the ads not really knowing that it was the next dark souls oh Um, yeah and like the ads are all about like claim your right as the lord and like the music's like kick ass and you know it's showing all this cool shit and like but they don't know that actually the basic mechanic of the whole game is try a thing you'll die and now you'll know it better and try again like it, mm-hmm. you know like it's not 
that it's about getting your ass kicked. It's not about being the baddest of the bad, you know, until you get there, right? Like, and then you'll feel awesome, but it's, it's a process. And so it's very interesting. And yeah, I could, I could probably go on about this game for ages, but it's all, we're almost at 40 minutes. So I'm going to stop. It's okay. I'm we'll have to stop. do an, an, an Elden Ring follow-up. Yeah. Yeah. It's in my wish list. I've been contemplating buying it. There was just a part of me that was like, maybe I should at least try and beat Dark Souls 1 before playing Elden Ring. Just no. so just to like warm up. But Mm-mm. from what you're saying, maybe I should just do the opposite. Play Elden Ring to then play Dark Souls 1. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like the, the truth is, um, I think any of the Soulsborne games would be easier after. Because then you mm-hmm. get to then you get to learn all the mechanics. You'd be you going back. You definitely feel like a little bit of like where did my fun thing go? But like the <laughs> basics aren't aren't different. Like when yeah. I went back to Demon Souls because I played Demon Souls was like the most recent from software game that I've beaten for the first time. Um, and when I went back to it after after having played like Bloodborne and Dark Souls three, I was like, okay, there's some things in here that are real fucking clunky, like really clunky. Um, but it's a game from 2009, so like, eh. um, yeah. And, and so, like, going back to Dark Souls after playing Elden Ring, you'll be missing a few things, but in the same hand, like, you will fully be like, you'll know how like the um the dodge roll mechanic really works, and like <laughs> how how like when to block versus when not to, and like how to make a build and and all that good stuff. And also, the bosses in Dark Souls are easier than the bosses in Elden Ring. Um, mm. which is entirely due to like, in my opinion, Bloodborne, um, like the bosses that they made there, there's a clear difference between when they did it, when before and after Bloodborne, which is they figured out speed. Um, like they figured out how to make a fast enemy, um, without it just being like, and you're fucked, um, uh... where you are still slightly, just slightly above their speed. Um, and so like, it's very frantic at times. So going back to like something like the, the big fucking iron golem or, um, the Taurus demon in dark souls one, it's like, it's like, haha, you can just like spin around and hit him in the butt forever, which is like not a thing you can do anymore. Um, (laughs) (laughs) so yeah, it's, it's, it's very, it's very, been very fun, but like, I got to shut up. I got to shut up. Um, we end the show, Derek, end the show. End the show. We're trapped right. here forever. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you everyone for listening to the first episode of the Elden Ring podcast with Dane and Derek. <laughs> we'll be back forever. Um, yeah. We'll, yeah we'll, we will be back just like how last week was Popery number one. This is Elden Ring number zero. And yep. we'll be back later on. Um, with more chit chats about that. Remember how you liked us talking about Ma and stuff? That's over. We only talk about Elden Ring now. It's just Elden Elden Ring Ring. is all. Elden Ring (laughs) is forever. Elden Ring until we die. Um, Little do we know, Dane is at a tattoo shop right now getting a tattoo of Elden Ring on his butt. Yeah, that's Um, why why I'm really doing the the headphones right now is because I couldn't have my mic set up. It's it's been an elaborate ruse so I can (laughs) do this podcast while getting my butt tattooed. Yeah, hashtag Elden Ring on your Uh butt. Yeah. Wow. Okay, well, everyone... with that, you can follow our show at Dane and Derek. You can tweet at us about Elden Ring. 
or Instagram us your your favorite <laughs> clip from Elden Ring. Uh, <laughs> There's a turtle that's also a pope. Sorry, continue. Uh, uh, hashtag turtle pope. Uh, and then um, you can uh, follow me at Derek Aiello everywhere. Website's DerekAiello.com. Letterboxd is at Derek Aiello. Uh, I recently watched the 1993 Three Musketeers, which is not Elden Ring. Yep. But it is um, filled with a cast full of great actors. Uh, totally. Yeah. That's a hundred percent true. Um, you yes. can find me at danewrites.com. There's links to, uh, my writing on Substack, uh, podcast, uh, my podcast is not about the Substack. Anyways, my music and Twitter, all of which are now defunct because I only do Elden Ring now. Um, yeah, yeah. It's just, you go to Dane's website and it redirects to eldenring.com or yes, whatever their website is. Mm-hmm, exactly. <laughs> well, folks, you could think, uh, you could think, Thank, you could thank us for hanging out. No, no. Thank you for hanging out with us. Jesus, what? <laughs> thank you for playing uh, Elden Ring. Thank you for have playing Elden day. Ring with us this week. Have a good, have a good day. We will see you <laughs> next time. Bye bye. <laughs>